Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy, the podcast that empowers you to transform life's challenges into opportunities for personal growth and healthier relationships. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. As experienced therapists with backgrounds in addressing trauma and mental health disorders, we believe there is hope and there certainly is healing. We've spent our lives supporting people through the ups and downs, and we want to share these insights with you. Together, we'll unravel the layers of personal growth healing from trauma, and building healthy relationships. Each week, we'll bring you engaging conversations, expert insights, and practical strategies to help you heal from the past, foster healthy communication, and develop enduring love. This podcast is your guide to transforming adversity into triumph, healing wounds and past trauma, gaining wisdom and insight, and creating meaningful, fulfilling connections. So if you're here to heal, to better understand yourself or your relationships, you're in the right place. So sit back, get comfortable, bring your trauma and your drama, and let's start healing. Welcome Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. We're very excited to have you here today. Now, what we're going to be discussing is how do we solve our own problems through using friendly advice? We've got a couple big things coming up that we're excited about. So if you haven't already, please join our Facebook group and we'll give you guys some more details in the Facebook group. Now, earlier when I was talking about using friendly advice to solve our problems, I wasn't talking about actually going to your friends to ask them for advice to help you solve your problems. But what we're going to be doing is using a perspective shift where you're going to imagine that your problems are somebody else's problem and they have come to you seeking advice from you to figure out how to solve it. Now, that may seem silly to think about, But when you shift that perspective, what you're doing is you're helping to remove the emotion from it. And a lot of times when we do this with our clients, they will almost just at the snap of a finger have the answer. Oh, this is the answer. This is what I would tell them to do. This is how they should solve that problem. But when they're stuck in the situation for themselves and thinking, considering what they should do, a lot of times what gets in the way is their emotions. They get scared or nervous about the answer, and it can make it very difficult for them to come to a reasonable or healthy conclusion on how to proceed forward with something. So everything Tim was just talking about is really this idea of using external advice mechanisms as a mirror for our own internal problems. And it's really grounded in the understanding that a lot of times when we give advice or insights to others, we're able to bypass our own biases, our self-criticisms, or like Tim was saying, all that emotional entanglements that really cloud our judgment when the problem directly pertains to us. And so when we have a little bit of that distance, we tend to give better advice because there's not as much clouding our judgment on it. So there's a couple of points we want to bring up to help you understand this phenomenon. And one of them is that when you're talking to a friend, you're going to have a tendency to be coming from a place of empathy versus when you're trying to advise yourself, a lot of times you're going to be coming from self-criticism. And when we come with an empathetic approach, we are coming from a calmer state of mind. And that calmer state of mind allows us to be less emotional about it and give better advice. But when we're self-critical about it, we tend to hyper-focus on that criticism and the wrongs that maybe we have done and beating ourselves up for those wrongs. And then we're not focusing on the right or appropriate thing. We're not focusing on the thing that can help solve that problem. So this act of stepping outside of yourself and trying to give advice to yourself from that friendly perspective can very much make it easier for you to come to a logical conclusion on something. And it really is that saying that we are our own worst enemy. We can have so much compassion and kindness to others, but then our own self-talk, it's more critical, it's crueler, 
And we often don't extend that grace or forgiveness or kindness that we can easily extend to others. In addition to this idea of empathy and compassion versus self-criticism, another reason why this works is that we have an objective perspective. When it's not our problem, we can see things without emotional clouding happening. So detaching ourselves from our problems, even just for a little bit, just momentarily, can help us approach them more objectively. Because I think what happens is, for ourselves, maybe a solution pops in our mind and we think, oh, maybe I can do this. Immediately, because of the emotion tied to it and the different relationships and experiences we have, it's easy for us to immediately shoot that down and say, well, that won't work because of this. Because a lot of times we employ cognitive distortions, right, where it's we're jumping to conclusions and we're already assuming what the other person will say. Versus if we are talking to a friend, we can make suggestions and they won't necessarily cut us down as quickly. They may push back a little bit and say, well, I don't think this will work because then they'll say this and they'll, you know, jump to conclusions or assume how people respond. But then we're able to come back at that and say, well, you never know. You should reach out. But for us, when we're telling ourselves the solution, we immediately cut it down and then we stop at that. And so there's no solution that we come to because everything we've thought of or possible solutions, we just immediately assume they won't work. And I think a part of the assumption or the fear that it won't work is coming from exactly that, just this fear that it's not going to work. You haven't actually stopped and carefully thought out, is this practically going to work or not? A lot of times the right decision is going to be dedicating a lot of energy towards correcting something that's going wrong. And so then that option seems less desirable. So it's causing you to try to veer away from that option because you don't want to put in that extra energy. But oftentimes this extra energy, putting yourself out there, taking a risk, is exactly the thing that you need in order to solve your problem. And so it definitely is much easier for you to tell somebody else to do that because you're not the one who has to expend the energy or take that risk. But whether or not that answer causes you to spend extra energy or take the risk, if it is objectively the right choice, you should choose to do that. And so depersonalizing it or thinking about it outside of yourself, just in this idea of what advice would I give my friend in this situation or what advice might I give my child to do in this situation can help you to move away from that fear of what is the cost of doing this thing that will get me that desirable outcome. So let's talk about why this approach works and why it might be better than seeking advice from a friend. If you're able to accomplish this, I think one thing that's important about this is that you're already familiar with the situation. You know more of the ins and outs of it, and it's easier for you to identify what are some practical things that I actually could do if you can step away from it. Because when you go to a friend for advice on this, you're going to have to fill them in with all of it, and they might give you an idea, but then, well, I know that idea won't work because of this, or, well, I know that idea won't work because of this. But you already have an idea of all the things that will and won't work, So it's a lot easier for you to kind of rely on yourself if you're able to step outside of that situation, get away from that self-criticism, get away from the emotional entanglements that you have on it, and then just really think about what can I do to solve this problem. And using this method just shifts your perspective. It doesn't shift the context or any other information involved. So one of the benefits is that it really is true to your situation. And you can almost always keep all the information the same so that you are truly solving your own problem with a different perspective. Another reason why this works is that 
really it's allowing you to tap into this inherent wisdom that you have. Because a lot of times, deep down, people often know the answers to their own issues. But it's the emotions, fear, or overthinking that confuses them or causes them to question themselves. And I can even see that in session where clients come in and they are talking through their problems. And I can hear that they know the answer. And I can hear that they have kind of this lean toward what they want to do. But then they second guess themselves. And a lot of times they'll say, well, what do you think? And I really try to be a mirror back to them that this is what I hear you're saying, because I want them to really look into themselves and figure out what is the wisdom that they have? What is the insight and the experience that they have, especially when they have this already leaning toward an answer? This is definitely something I've seen with my clients when I'm doing EMDR with them. When a client gets stuck on a thought process and they kind of can't move forward from it, you do this thing called the cognitive interweave, where basically the person has this cognitive thought process that's going on, and you kind of weave in there a new line of thinking for them. That new line of thinking can all of a sudden help them to then come to a conclusion that helps them to resolve their negative emotions. And one of my favorite ones with this is, what would you tell your child how they should handle this situation? And before we even start getting into the processing, they smile and they're like, oh, I know immediately what I would say. And it's this idea that they already know the answer, but in themselves, in that emotional moment, they couldn't think of it. But as soon as it was removed, it's bam, I know what I should do. And one of the things too I want to say is that it's not that it's never beneficial to have outside advice or advisement on how to solve a problem, because you definitely can get a lot of help. It's just this is something that you can use if you actually do already know how to solve that problem or a way that you can discover, can I solve this problem on my own? I have a great example of how I got some outside help that I was not able to solve this one problem. I got the outside help and then they were able to solve it pretty easily. I was working on our business books the other day and I was having a hard time resolving some financial discrepancy that we had in our accounting software. Now, I've been working at trying to understand what was going on and figuring out what is the problem here. And I normally am the person who's always running that for our business. Now, I brought Ruth in at one point and said, hey, can you just look at this and give me another set of eyes? I cannot figure out why it's double counting this particular thing. Can you look at this for me? And she was able to look at it and she monkeyed around with it for a little bit. And then, bam, she was able to solve that problem that I'd been literally trying to figure out for months. I'm like, why does it keep doing this? And then she's like, well, I don't know. I did this and this and this and it solved that problem. So what we're saying here is it's not to isolate you. It's not to not seek advice from other people, but it's to empower you to identify that you actually probably are able to solve more problems than you think you can. And so this is a good example where I needed outside help. I could not figure it out on my own, even though there was no emotion attached to it. And then that outside help made something that was very difficult for me much easier. Now, the last thing we want to talk about about why this approach tends to work is validation. One of the things that you would never do to a friend who's struggling in a situation, or you'd be at least very unlikely to do, is invalidate their feelings or invalidate their thoughts about the subject. You'd be much more likely to validate them. But in ourselves, when we're thinking about our own problems, we're very likely to invalidate our own thoughts, our own feelings about the situation. But that invalidation process that we go through is not helpful for us. And again, I think that brings us back to a place of self-criticism, where again, then we're getting deeper into an emotional state, less than a logical state, and then it makes it harder for us to solve that problem. So let's plug this into a little scenario. Imagine that you're struggling with balancing a demanding job, maybe you have family responsibilities, hobbies, 
or different things that are on your plate. Then you have your kids' activities and things that you need to get them to. And you have no time that you're making for yourself. This constant juggle just leaves you feeling perpetually stressed, anxious, and constantly on the verge of burnout. And you feel like you can't really see a way out. And you're so hard on yourself, always thinking like, gosh, I should be able to handle this. So say you're struggling with all of that. What we want you to do now is imagine that you have a close friend. Let's say it's Jamie. And imagine that Jamie is describing all of these problems to you. How would you view Jamie's situation without being directly involved? And so that will help you have this objective perspective. And one of the benefits of this is that if Jamie were sharing these feelings with you, you might say, gosh, it's understandable that you feel this way. You have a lot on your plate. You're juggling so much and really anyone would find it challenging. It's okay to set boundaries and to ask for help. So the way that you handle this issue with someone else is so different oftentimes with how we handle it ourselves. Going back to what we said is that we often give them compassion, right? I would give Jamie so much compassion and really meet her where she's at, give her that empathy. But for myself, I might continue with the thought process that I should be able to handle this. I should be able to manage this. Why can't I juggle all of this? And I think a compassionate friend would say something like, you don't have to do it all. It's okay. You can give up some things. You can stop doing some things. You don't have to do everything. Just pick the things that are most important to you and do those. And if you can't stop doing enough things, you may have to take some time and delegate and give other people these tasks to be able to solve these problems or to be able to finish this chore. Right. And by doing this, as you're talking through this problem with Jamie, right, you could realize that these are all viable options for yourself, that maybe I can delegate. Maybe I don't have to do all of this. Maybe I can say no to a couple of things. And as you're figuring out ways to help Jamie and you're making different suggestions, it might lead you to a time where you faced this in the past and thought about, oh, there's this one time where I was really stressed out and I decided that I'm going to sit down and I'm going to journal through some things. Or remembering a time when you took these mental health walks and you made sure that you got out there and it helped you kind of process through your problems or it helped distract you from certain things that you just could not get out of that rut. And so as you're remembering these things, it's a cue to you for things that have worked for you in the past that you may want to start trying to do again. And then just in this scenario, you would never invalidate your friend's feelings or concerns. But by treating yourself as that friend, you allow for your own self-validation to occur naturally. So as I'm talking through this problem with Jamie, and she's listening to all these things that she's a part of and all these things on her plate, it's easy for me to like we said before, have that compassion, but also just naturally validate them. And so as I'm thinking through and validating Jamie, it really is a validation to myself that, hey, it's okay, you're doing a good job. You're doing the best you can. So now that we've taken the time and the effort to kind of imagine that this is not our problem, that it's somebody else's problem and we're advising them on it, we don't want to waste the effort that we've just gone through. You want to take some time and you want to write down what are the solutions you came up with? How am I going to solve this problem? Because a part of it is when a situation's emotional, you can come to a conclusion, but then those emotions can cause you to then to discount or throw away that conclusion, even though it actually could be very helpful just because now it doesn't feel good or doesn't feel great, or you can just easily forget it and move on from it. So taking that time to stop and sit and write that information down is going to ensure that the effort that you spent on this is not going to be in vain. 
And then after you write it down, you want to say it out loud. So just read out loud what you just wrote down. Because sometimes saying the problem and the potential solutions out loud, kind of like if you're talking to a friend, can bring a lot of clarity, especially if you're an external processor. Now, I think a part of this is actually role-playing. Because just running this mental exercise in your head can be a little bit difficult, but actually pretending like you're talking to that other person about this problem and then giving them solutions really helps you feel very differently about this. And if you've never done role-playing before, it can feel weird, it can feel uncomfortable, but just know that the act of doing this really helps your mind to be in a different spot for you to then view it in a different way. It gives you all the benefits that we discussed earlier. So get out of your comfort zone a little bit and just role play with it. Pretend like you're actually talking to somebody about their problem, not your problem. And you're going to pretend to be both yourself and your friend in this conversation. So when you're talking to your friend and you're giving them this advice, you're also going to come back and push back a little bit with questions or concerns that you have, because that'll help you dive a little deeper into the solution. And after you role play, I would go back to writing more things down. And not necessarily journaling where you have to sit down and you have to process through all your emotions, but I really like bullet journaling where you just write down, these are the things that I learned or the insight that came or what the solution is that you chose. So you started with writing down the problem and the advice that you'd give to a friend. And then you spoke it out loud and you said what those solutions are. And after you role played, you just go right back to writing it down again, adding to what you already had before. And when Tim and I were taking our state licensing test to become marriage and family therapists, this was one of the methods that we used as we were studying for the test and even thinking about how we would approach it when we were in the test. Because there's a lot of stress and anxiety that comes into play when you have a big test like this that determines if we can be marriage and family therapists or not. And it's all kind of on the line right there. And so the way that we approached it is any question that came up we would approach it from the perspective of, if I were a supervisor, what would I say to my clinician who's coming to me for help with this problem? And I think it kind of did that same thing that we talked about today where it helped us separate it out from it. It helped me not feel like, oh my gosh, the stress and anxiety. I don't know the answers to all of this. And viewing it just as a test, but really removed myself from that and viewing it as, okay, if this was a real life problem and someone was coming for me, it helps me take more of the role of an expert and makes me feel confident in the knowledge that I already have. And it helps me to employ that rather than second guess. Do I even know this stuff? Gosh, this is just a test. They're trying to trick me. And so instead of questioning all that and all this information that I really do know, it helps me to solidify it and create a solution and hopefully the right answer on the test. So as you face your own problems and you're really struggling and you can see the self-criticism and the times where you just kind of feel stuck, we really encourage you to try this out. Try to pretend that it's someone else's problem and that you're coming in and you're helping them and giving them that friendly advice. So you're really trying to flip the script because that power of self-compassion and knowing that you really do have wisdom and you oftentimes do have the answers can help you to come up with a lot of really good solutions to your own problems that you feel so stuck in. All right, you guys, have a great day. And remember, your mind is a powerful thing. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. 
We hope that you enjoyed today's episode and found it helpful. If so, would you take 30 seconds and share it with a friend? Also, we'd love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcast. It lights us up to know that this podcast is helping you. If you have any questions or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group. Just click the link in the description below. Although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. If you are struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or feeling hopeless or suicidal, you are not alone. Help is available. Please seek professional help or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988. Thank you again for joining us on Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. Remember, there's always hope and there's always help.